Welcome back to In the Shadow of the Evening Trees. I'm Jennifer Von Ebers. I'm David Von Ebers. And welcome back. And today's Labor Day. It is Labor Day. Happy Labor Day. Happy Labor Day. We are recovering from a walk in the sweltering yeah. heat uh, today. Uh, I'm sure there's lots of parts of the country that are sweltering this holiday weekend, but we're still um, getting 80s and 90s. Uh, summer's hanging on. Yeah, it's 90 right now. And it feels like 94, I just checked. Oh. <laughs> I don't know if that makes much of a difference. Yeah. But. Uh, but it is nice to at least have a beautiful weekend uh, with no rain, which um, sometimes that always happens where that uh, right. we get bad weather on a holiday weekend Memorial and stuck Day, inside. Labor Day. Mm-hmm. Although we used to get up and run a 10-mile race on Labor Day, which I don't think they run anymore I down in completely forgot about that. Park Forest, yeah. They yes. have bands playing along the way and all that. That was actually, I remember specifically one year we did it where it was a light mist yeah. when we were running and not very hot, but the scenery was gorgeous. Uh, yeah, and but, it was through a forest preserve? Right, most of it is, um, yeah, most of it's through, a, uh, I was going to say park, but it's more like a forest. Uh, and they have a bagpiper. That was actually the, the um, well, we would do that, and then um, there was still the marathon after that. But back in the day, in our running days, our, it would kick off in Memorial Day doing a um, 10K on the south side. Well, no, it was a shamrock well, shuffle first. No. Um, you got me confused. I thought you were still talking about Labor Day. Yeah, I was kind of um, talking about our our races oh, when we did races. Okay, sorry. <laughs> no, that's I, I okay. I misunderstood. Um, we would do the, the sometimes do the Shamrock Shuffle. That I was, think I only did that once though. Yeah. Or maybe maybe twice. But then we would do the the 10K on uh, South Side, which was also fun. And lots that was of family. Lots of family would um, attend that one, and then. We would do Dam to Dam in Des Moines in June, which is a 20K. Right, and that was the next set. So the uh, the 10K was on, I'm always getting the, the, the holidays mixed up, on Memorial Day, and then the, the 20K in Des Moines was the next Saturday because they always do things on Saturdays in Des Moines because everybody goes to church on Sunday. <laughs> Around here, all the big events typically are on Sundays unless it's, on a, unless it's a holiday. And actually, that one, that race was actually um, pretty fun because you actually were bussed out to the beginning, so you'd end up in the downtown area, yeah. um, and uh, you're running through neighborhoods a lot of the time, so um, yeah. kind of scenic as well. You start in a start in a park in a state park, and then you don't actually. I mean, you're out of the park in a few miles, and then it's farms, and then it's neighborhoods, which is funny because the first neighborhood of the city that you go into when you come from the farmland you go up this uh, pretty significant hill for Des Moines and then you are in a neighborhood called Oak Park which is pretty funny yes because uh, that's our the, hometown our hometown <laughs> in Illinois but um, yeah and then and then the rest of the way more than half of it I think is through city neighborhoods and then you end up downtown and there's beer there's beer at the end and there's like a little fountain and when our kids were small they would dip their feet in the fountain and run around and it felt good on your feet after running yeah yeah the only problem with that one is sometimes it would be very hot and you weren't really ready for the heat and not a lot of shade and yeah and i mean if you were just training for a marathon you probably wouldn't be running almost half a marathon 
for miles that early in the season if you're training for the Chicago Marathon, which is in June. But it was always a good start, and it got us going. I usually did up, up, I usually got up to about maybe 10 miles uh, just training before that race. I would just like to preface that um, I probably would would not have run even one race without you um, encouraging well, me, which is like a, it was a great thing because um, I had a lot of doubt um, in you know just not being a runner. Um, yeah. I was a sprinter. Uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> and, um, I was school, none of those. I was on track, <laughs> um, and I like to run like the hundred yard dash and then be done with it. <laughs> you were like Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I shall, I will not run. I, what did he say? I choose yes, not, not to, to run. run. Yeah. Uh, but it is a lot of mental, um, it is a lot of mental That was our sump pump, toughness. by the way, making that loud noise, if you heard Yeah. Because we live in a swamp. <laughs> we do. <laughs> it's ridiculous. But I think it's like an, an analogy that I've kept in my life, that it's just like, if I think I can't do something, I think back to doing those races, running through adverse conditions and all sorts of weather yeah. and everything and coming out of the other side. So um, for me, it's been um, nice to look back on to just know you can do hard things. People always say, you can do anything. And I'm like, well, no, literally you can't do anything. You can't fly. <laughs> you can't. But, that is true. But although I don't buy into the you can do anything thing, uh, but people can do, the problem is, people, you know, People do have limits, but <clears throat> your limits are usually not what you think they are. And that's yes. really that's really kind of the point, I think, is like, yeah, there are things you can't do, but there's a lot, you, you can do a lot more than you think. And um, that's kind of, kind of um, the, the, my view of it is a little bit more cynical than, than the people who are just all, you know, positive thinking all the time. But on the other hand, <clears throat> there, that was, that was rude. I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we, uh, that is one of the things that I think of often is, and one thing that I think started me doubting trying it all together because I'm slow and it doesn't matter if you're slow because anybody (coughs) can, um, anybody can do it, uh, no matter what. So, uh, and when we trained for the marathon, we did, um, many months of training with team and training for the leukemia and lymphoma society because both of us have ties to that. But, uh, and that was my favorite part because there were people that were my um, speed. So I yeah. didn't feel like I was alone. Yeah, I mean, that, that is true too. Is I mean, I think we kind of grew up with the mentality that you have to be sort of an elite athlete mm-hmm. to do anything that, that is, you know, that uh, sort of demanding. And obviously that's not true. I don't know why I'm coughing so much. I think it's because we've had air conditioning on so much in our house. I think so too. <coughs> and we I'm were really sorry about that. Outside in dry air. <laughs> No, it wasn't dry. That's true. I mean, it's really humid out. Um, so yeah, we're just soaking up the rest of the summer and enjoying uh, the summer's like temperatures. And that's the other thing that we were talking about yesterday when we were enjoying time in our pool is like so many people now, and you've seen it yourself, are just like pushing for fall and fall things yeah. and let's get ready for Halloween. Yeah. And it's like, how about how about not? <laughs> yeah, it is weird. It's like I, you know, it's fine to like it. I like fall weather actually. But I love fall weather too, but it's just like I can wait for it to happen, and I don't have to rush things. And it's like, for some reason, it feels like everyone is just rushing to get to the next event, the next event, the next event. And it's just like, 
that just puts waste too much pressure yeah. on everything because you know as soon as like the middle of September everyone's going to start talking about Christmas and what are you doing for Christmas and right. what about gifts and it's like too much <laughs> yeah I mean it, it's good to plan for things but it, it doesn't I mean planning is I think different than um, just like trying to rush to get through everything you know yeah. Um, I think people, a lot of people are planners because it can take the anxiety out of things. You know, if you're planning ahead for whatever big event, then when it comes, you're not as stressed out or whatever. And that's cool. I just don't understand the desire to have that big event now when on the calendar it's three months from now. Yes. And I always think, um, think to myself and say this uh, comment, comparison is the thief of joy. Because if you want, if you see on social media or anything like people's perfect houses or their <laughs> the front door yeah. is all decorated and they've got all the things going on, and it's just like you don't yeah. have to succumb to that pressure. You don't. There's nothing you could just do what you normally would do. You don't have to like do what everybody else is doing. That's why I used to hate Martha Stewart until she became a thug and a gangster. <laughs> Then I liked her. And once, best friends with Snoop Dogg. <laughs> yeah, now that she hangs out, once she went to jail for something, she probably, <laughs> she probably never should have should gone to jail. Um, but, but aside from that, uh, then I decided I liked her. Yeah, she came back way on top after all that, and yeah. I would have been a bitter, bitter person. Oh, yeah. And um, she yeah. just took it with stride and just kept going. But it is true. I, don't, I, I uh, have no desire... To be like, you know, to, to live up to those those kind of standards, though, in terms of like everything having to be perfect all the time. Yeah, and the other thing. And Our house could use a coat of paint <laughs> <laughs> on the inside. The outside yeah, looks fine. Exactly. On the inside, it could use a coat of paint. But that's the other thing, and this is not really like the subject of our um, podcast, but anyway, I'm we thinking. Don't, we I'm, don't have a subject, yeah, apparently. Just thinking about it now, when you see people like that who have, you know, three you know very nice cars and go on extreme vacations and sometimes to me it's like but how much debt do they have oh yeah (laughs) you know it's like that's all well and fine but if it's actually like crushing you because you're trying to keep up with all the payments of all the lifestyle that you're trying to create that is no fun either i think you know i think for us you know debt is kind of like the like the drugs of an uh, of an earlier generation where people were all paranoid about drug use and everything. Well, I think we're uh, people our age are paranoid about debt. Um, although not not everyone <laughs> our age necessarily lives by that, but I think that's like the biggest fear, you know, as as just being consumed by not, you know, like certain things like, you know, you buy a house, you're going to borrow money to buy a house. That's okay because you're getting something of value and you're also getting a tax break for the mortgage payments. You're going to come out like way that. ahead of the end. Presumably, yeah. <laughs> although we, there have been times when that in our country when that's not the case. But yeah, I mean, most of the time, certain kinds of debt sort of make sense. Um, you buy a car, you pay off the car loan in five years, it's going to last for you a good 10 years, you know. So um, manageable debt is one thing. But I think we've, you know, we've always sort of like lived in fear of using credit cards. We've gone through periods of time where we just don't, we don't use, you know, we don't go into debt at all. Other yeah. Than like, you know, buying a house, whatever. Which is funny to think about because there were years that we did not use any credit at all. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so it was. Because it's a little risky because then, you know, you go to buy a new car and they're like, well, you don't have a current. <laughs> Wait, what's happening? <laughs> you don't really have a current credit. So there, you know, there's, you got to be, you got to go 
And it is funny, too. Once you start borrowing money, then your credit rating will bounce up for a period of time. And I'm like, intuitively, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but that's the way it works. Yeah, it is a whole racket, um, the whole credit oh. card game and why... And the credit get... rating game is a racket, too, I think. Yeah, because you can do all the things that you're doing, and then all of a sudden, if you're not using a card, they'll cancel it, and then your credit score goes down because you have one less card. Yeah. And it's like, but I didn't actually do that. <laughs> yeah, or it they is. give you a higher credit limit, and that also goes down because you have... So it's... Uh, it's always a game. And the, the other thing, too, is, I mean, like, so in some situations, you don't have a choice. If you're going to go to college, you're probably not going to be able to pay cash for your tuition. And your parents probably don't have that much money socked away. Although, you know, thankfully, you can you can save for your kids' uh, college tuition and so forth. This is not, why are we talking about this? I don't know. We just got on the yeah. subject. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, I mean, some things are sort of unavoidable. But, I, yeah, just like the whole idea of being in over your head is to me it's it's sort of like being uh, oh, uh being uh, you know having other kinds of problems like drug addiction or something yeah that was if you heard a tiny cry that was our baby waffle our cat hey buddy what are you doing she's kind of nudging everybody well there's just two of us here but nudging us both that you know none of this has much to do with labor day except the running park since we talked about running that's there. true it was called it was called this Forest Park Scenic 10 Miler. Yes. Yeah. And we still have the medal somewhere. In a, in a well, box. a few of them. Yeah. Are. Yeah, and that was always, so there was that one, and then there was um, uh, a half marathon in Chicago called the Chicago Distance Classic, which didn't that move from, um, it was around the 4th of July, kind of, or in July, and then they moved it to later in the summer? Yes, they did. I think that had to do with trying to f target when, you know, if people are training for the marathon, try to figure out what's a good distance to run, you know, at that point of the year. If you're running a half marathon in July, that's great, but you're a little ahead of the curve in terms of training for a marathon in October. Um, anyway. My funniest story from that race, I didn't the do that. The Chicago Distance Classic? Yes, it, I was... That was... But, but, you know, as I'm thinking about it, the original distance was 20 kilometers, not yes, a half marathon. Yes, And then they decided to extend it to a half marathon because, number one, it's not that much longer, and number two, it, it probably sells better. You're like, it, it sounds... But I like the 20-kilometer distance, but... But uh, they changed it. To, but when I ran it that first time, it was still a it was still a twenty k. Yes, and we um, I was watching, so I was your um, cheerleader, um, yeah. and I believe Emma was in the stroller. Yeah. So right. uh, and I think so. your your mom came with maybe I don't know if that one. But anyway, so I was we were um, towards the end. Uh, I moved to kind of like probably a half mile to the finish line because there was like a a stretch where it wasn't really crowded, and I knew that I would see David. Um, pass and everything and this woman this poor woman was running and as soon as she got close to me she was just like where the f is the finish line because she just thought it was like going to be closer to only, where it was only and, she didn't say f yeah uh, she did not say f it was it was confusing <laughs> so that that race started out by the university of illinois chicago campus and then it went uh, which is west of the loop downtown, and then it went into the loop, <clears throat> pardon me, a little bit north, kind of circled back and came around and ended also at the UIC campus. But the problem was where it ended, it was on one of these um, really wide boulevards that had 
uh, a partition up the middle with trees and so forth. And so it was difficult when you came around the corner and you were within maybe half a mile of the finish line. It was hard to see the finish yes. line because the trees in the middle of the street sort of blocked your view of, of you know, half mile or so down. She had like hit by her way, limit in just a second. By the way, didn't our brother-in-law Ed place in that race? He did. He finished like in the top three in his age group yes, or he did. something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's insane yeah we have family members who are, are extreme um a- athletes i yeah. guess you could say um and throughout their whole life running marathons long distance f- yeah. long bike rides eddie was the one who started the marathon craze in our family because yes. he did the very first one and then some some years later there was a there, there's a, there was a show on pbs the local pbs station called wild chicago which I kind of miss because they just they I did love that show. they found all kinds of just goofy things that were going on in the city, um, but for whatever reason they did an episode on the marathon. I don't know if the whole episode was on the marathon, but as, as it turns out, in typical fashion, they interviewed our our brother-in-law who just manages to show up. He's kind of <laughs> like the Zelig character from that movie. No, that's that's not really true, but but they interviewed him and and you know he's probably ten miles or so into the race, maybe even further than that. I don't really remember exactly where it was. Um, I'm picturing it by Soldier Field, which would be near the end, but anyway, I don't think that's right. I, but it was a good distance into the yes. race, and he says says to the interviewer, "My family thinks I'm running the five k because they have a five k that starts." Right, you know, right after the start of the, once everybody clears through the, the, the corrals at the start of the marathon, then a short time later they do a 5K through the loop. <laughs> and he's, you know, so he'd probably been running an hour or so. Right, I don't right. know how, how long he'd been running, but he, my family thinks I'm running the 5K. <laughs> Typical Ed. Yeah, and who could maintain that sort of a sense of humor? Not, not me. Yeah. Not me. I remember, like, when they, you know, there were photographers when when we did it. Um, they would have photographers out on the course. Now it's probably all you know by remote cameras and whatever. But um, I remember kind of like trying to look the other way so they wouldn't take my picture because I was, and that was like at the halfway point. Yes. Uh, I forgot there was yeah. actually physical photographers out there mm-hmm. taking pictures. That yeah. is so funny. Yeah. I just totally forgot because uh, you if you didn't see that then you'd get the proof of the picture and you're oh just yeah, like got a funny every face. so often i still will get an email from the marathon photo <laughs> gr- company or whatever do you want to buy it now do you want to <laughs> do you want to buy a picture from like 2006 or something right like right that, you know we're good yeah <laughs> Um, so yeah, we uh, are just squeezing out the last of the weekend here, um, and then you probably saw this, but I'm just gonna, because um, we've talked about this before, is um, headlines in the LGBTQ plus uh, thing is um, thing g- community uh, is the Texas top court uh, let the ban on gender treatment on minors take effect August 31st. And which is so insane and I just feel so sorry for people who live in that state that um, have to go through this I mean it's it's in lots of states but it's just like why is specifically that state in particular Florida other things are so crazy about this Um, it does go on to say that they're obviously going to challenge it and it'll probably get overturned but even just to have a mention of somebody preventing you from doing 
what yeah. is your thing is just it just is so angry it just makes me so angry well and it's all about you know the state trying to dictate the choices that parents can make I mean the biggest fraud in the world is to imagine that all of these you know conservative people are sort of pro-freedom and anti uh, whatever they're the most authoritarian people out there and what gets me too is you know a lot of these people say that they're they're they start out when they attack schools and things like that. They're like, oh, we're, we favor parents' rights. But obviously this is a case of interfering with parents' rights, mm -hmm. right? I mean, it's the parents who are making the, um, making the decision. There's this weird guy from Canada. From Canada. Like, you think, you know, I thought the only thugs from Canada were in the NHL. I didn't realize that they had just, like, ordinary thugs. But this guy, he calls himself Billboard Chris. First of all, he doesn't know what a billboard is. He calls himself Billboard Chris because he wears like a, a dumb like sandwich board things <laughs> thing with stupid anti-trans and anti-queer messaging on it. That is not a billboard. Yeah. He, by the way, he, he's a parent. He has children. He spends all of his time traveling around Canada and the United States ignoring his children and harassing yours, basically. Right. Exactly. You know, that, that's what it really comes down to. But somehow he's become this bizarre, insane hero on the right wing in America. And he, one of his dumbass, you'll pardon the expression, sandwich boards, which he somehow thinks, is, what's wrong with Canada? They don't know what a frickin' billboard is in Canada? <laughs> but one of his dumb sandwich board things says something like, children cannot consent to puberty blockers. No, I was about to curse. Here's the thing. Obviously, kids, generally speaking, don't consent to any medical treatment, right? Correct. Your kid, when they have to get vaccinated for school, doesn't say, hey, I'm going to the doctor to get a vaccine. See you later. Right. You take I made your my appointment. Kid, yeah, you take your kid to the doctor when your kid is sick, when your kid needs vaccines or a physical to play you know, sports or to, to go to school or whatever. Parents are the ones who always consent to virtually everything um, that goes on in a kid's life because under the age of minority you can't enter into contracts you can't have sex sexual relations you can't consent to medical treatment we all know that the only exceedingly rare instances are where parents are neglecting their children and not providing for them and then you know there's a process that you have to go through you have a guardian appointed or you know someone comes along and and, and tries to terminate your parental rights when parents neglect their children then they can't you know they lose their yes. ability to, to to consent for on behalf of their kids or make decisions on behalf of their kids and by the way all this again kind of circling back to all this nonsense about parents rights is like you know there the vast majority of parents are doing the right thing and, and taking care of their kids and making good decisions and everything like that. And so, yes, those parents absolutely should have all kinds of say in what goes on in their kids' lives. But there are neglectful parents. You understand we do have, for example, you know, child protective services agencies that will literally go into a home and take children away from their parents if the parents are neglectful or abusive, right? That's a thing that happens in the real world. Some parents are really horrible. They're the minority, but they exist. And and one of the you know craziest things is is of course they talk a lot about you know child abuse. Um, is they, they view all kinds of trans healthcare as, as child abuse. 
And they also call, you know, people who are supportive of the community, they call them groomers. Let me tell you something. The vast majority of uh, ch actual child abusers, whether it's physical abuse, verbal abuse, or sexual abuse, or all of those things, the vast majority of them are parents. They're parents or other close family members. Mm -hmm. Or you have a situation where, you know, an uncle rapes a child and the parents cover it up because they want to protect the uncle instead of the child. There are bad parents out there. Not very many. The vast majority are not bad parents, but they do exist. And when that happens, somebody has to intervene to protect the kid. Sometimes it's the state. Sometimes it's a relative who goes to court and asks to be appointed, you know, the kid's guardian. Sometimes it's in a, you know, in a, situ in a, in a situation where one part of the, one parent is abusing the child and the other isn't. It's the non-abusive parent who tries to terminate the abusive parent's yep. rights. The only time I, in my illustrious legal career, I ever handled a divorce case, uh, not a divorce, I, I'm getting myself confused here, uh, an adoption case, was a situation where um, uh, the, this couple were, had gotten married, the wife had a child by someone else who was completely uninvolved in the child's life, just abandoned this kid you know, and the husband uh, adopted the child and we, we had to go th to the, through the process of having the biological father's parental rights terminated and, and so that the husband could ad adopt the child. And it was a really cool experience. It was a great thing to do as a lawyer. But the point is, that's an, you know, somebody has to be, to, when a parent is being bad, <laughs> when a parent's abusive or neglectful or whatever, someone has to step in and protect the kid. Those are the only instances, those extremely rare instances, where someone other than a biological parent or an adoptive parent gets to make choices for kids. In every other instance, a kid goes to get health care because they're trans or non-binary. It's the parents who are consenting to the decision-making right. process. The only exception to that is where, an apparent, where a parent is abusive or neglectful. And I don't care about those parents. Those parents can go yeah. jump in the lake. They that's, can. That's not the expression I was going to use. but Well, and that's the thing. It's like you are trying to support your child, and then to have the state that you uh, live in say, you can't. We're, gonna let, we're not going to let you do this. Right, right. Um, so it's insane, and I hope that they overturn it ASAP. Yeah, and I, I mean, again, I mean, we talked about this. Uh, well, we've talked about it a, a couple of times, but you know, we talked about last last time we were sort of comparing statistics between you know the number of children who died of COVID and the number of children who get gender affirming care, on, you know, up to the age of eighteen, and this you know the same people who were fighting tooth and nail to get rid of any kind of COVID restrictions or any kind of you know mitigation efforts at all were, are also the ones trying to prevent this health care and it's like well you weren't you were actively working against protecting children when they were at risk of contracting and dying of COVID but you pretend now to be supporting children while you're trying to deny them health care yes it's just sort of mind-boggling to me I just I can't understand well I shouldn't say that I really do understand the thinking process they're bad people mm -hmm. there are bad people in the world yeah, and they don't care. They just want their views to be heard, and they're the only one yeah. that matters. 
by the way, I do want to, uh, I want to, uh, there's a couple things. One, I want to give a plug to our friend, Jesse Jackson. Yes. Uh, the podcaster, the Bruce Springsteen podcaster. He um, actually was a guest on a podcast. Uh, I think it was about a week ago. And um, the podcast is called The Bella Grace B-E-L-L-A-G-R-A-Y-C-E podcast. And it's a YouTube-based thing, so you can look it up on YouTube. Um, and the host invited um, Jesse on to talk about some of his own family situations and some challenging things that he had encountered in the past, including um, a brother. And, and I'm not speaking out of turn here. I mean, he, he's, he promoted this podcast. Um, uh, but he talked about a brother of his who had had some um, substance abuse problems and the challenges of it. And it's a really, <clears throat> Jesse's a great guy, and it's a really, really interesting conversation. And the host, who I'm not familiar with at all, but she was um, she was just really good. She just kind of like sat back and, and let him talk, and she was very encouraging, but really kind of gave him the space to talk. And it also happens unrelated to the um, substance abuse issues his brother also passed away like a year ago or so and you know um you know i've lost a couple of brothers over the years and, and one of the things that they did talk about in the podcast was um you know that's not something people don't really talk a whole lot about losing siblings we're, we're all familiar with you know eventually most of us have to go through the loss of a parent Every so often, you have the reverse situation, which is like just like unbelievably horrific, a parent mm -hmm. losing a kid. But don't really talk that much about, it's kind of a unique, I'm not saying any one thing is better or worse than the other, except I would say losing a kid is the worst. <laughs> worst, that, yes. that I feel comfortable saying that's the worst. Right. But, uh, but aside from that, I mean, these other kinds of losses, if you lose a close friend or you lose, you know, one of your parents or whatever, you know, they're all horrible, and I don't think you can rank them in terms of how good or bad or indifferent they are, but it is a unique thing to lose a sibling, and I think one thing in particular that makes it like especially wild is because you're not only dealing with your own loss or whatever, but then you also, you know, then you see what your parents are going through, and that's just like, yeah. you know, that's, it's unbelievably complicated. So I thought it was really cool that he um, was willing to talk about these kind of difficult things, but also, you know, he, he and the host, um, you know, talked about, about that whole concept of, you know, people don't really think about what it's like if you lose a sibling, so. That is true. We'll leave the link so you guys can listen to it. Yeah, it was really good. It was really good. And then the only other thing I want to mention is we've talked about this uh, issue in the suburbs in, in a town called Homer Glen where a teacher got fired. We've talked extensively about that the last couple of times. Um, one of the things I did not do in the past was I did not identify the teacher because I didn't think they necessarily wanted their name out there. But uh, as it turns out, um, there is a GoFundMe for this teacher. His name is Christopher Martin, Christopher with a K. And um, the person who organized the the the, um, the fundraiser um, is, you know, basically takes the position that they think he was fired in part for being gay. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, in other words, that all this other stuff about his social media posts and all that was really just pretense. 
Um, and I, again, I think there's something to that. We'll, we won't know for sure because it was all done in the shadows, but yes. th that is my view. So I'm gonna put a link in there, um, you know, to the, go, to the GoFundMe and, you know, consider um, donating to that. Uh, by the way, I mean, one thing that I kind of not, I wasn't really thinking about when we talked about um, the, his firing, you mentioned, uh, absolutely true, that he would have had to go through a background check, yep. including a criminal background check, yes. to get hired. But And that's absolutely true. But also, you know, this part I had, maybe I knew or maybe I didn't, but he was a teacher in another suburban school district before the Homer Glen district hired him. And so he had also had to go through background check there. Exactly. Also had a record, as, you know, a, a, per, a personnel record, so to speak, as a teacher. Presumably there were no incidents when he had his earlier job because they wouldn't have hired him if, you know, there Which was... Which makes it just more suspicious. Right, you exactly, know. exactly. So anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah, we definitely support him and uh, hope that justice is served and he yeah. gets reinstated and can have a career because obviously if that's the profession you want to go in you shouldn't be um, prohibited to do that and as I like to say sue the bastards yes <laughs> anyway so that is our episode um, we went all over the place uh, sure for did. topics but that's how we roll uh, thanks for listening to us and we will catch you next time bye